0: Passes to India Chapter 7 Part 4 The dialogue remained light and friendly and Adela had no conception of its in under drift. She did not know that the comparatively simple mind of the Mohammedan was encountering ancient night. Aziz played a thrilling game. He was handling a human toy that refused to work. He knew that much. If it worked, Neither he nor Professor Godbale would be the least advantaged. But the attempt enthralled him and was akin to abstract thought. On he chattered, defeated at every move by an opponent who would not even admit that a move had been made, and further than ever from discovering what, if anything, was extraordinary about the Marabar caves. Into this Ronnie dropped. With an annoyance, he took no trouble to conceal. He called from the garden. What's happened to Fielding? Where's my mother? Good evening, she replied coolly. I want you and mother at once. There's to be polo. I thought there was to be no polo. Everything's altered. Some soldier men have come in. Come along and I'll tell you about it. Your mother will return shortly, sir, said Professor Godbally, who had risen with deference. There is but little to see at our poor college. <sniffs> Ronnie took no notice, but continued to address his remarks to Adela. He had hurried away from his work to take her to see the polo, because he thought it would give her pleasure. He did not mean to be rude to the two men, but the only link he could be conscious of with an Indian was the official and neither happened to be his subordinate. As private individuals, he forgot them. Unfortunately, Aziz was in no mood to be forgotten. He would not give up the secure and intimate note of the last hour. He had not risen with God bully and now offensively friendly called from his seat, come along up and join us. Mr. Heslop." Sit down till your mother turns up. Ronnie replied by ordering one of Fielding's servants to fetch his master at once. He may not understand that. Allow me. Aziz repeated the order idiomatically. Ronnie was tempted to retort. He knew the type. He knew all the types and this was the spoilt, westernized. But he was a servant of the government. It was his job to avoid incidents, so he said nothing and ignored the provocation that Aziz continued to offer. Aziz was provocative. Everything he said had an impertinent flavor or jar. His wings were failing, but he refused to fall without a struggle. He did not mean to be impertinent to Mr. He Slope, but who had never done him harm. But here was an Anglo-Indian who must become a man before comfort could be regained. He did not mean to be greasily confidential to Miss Questet, only to enlist her support, nor to be loud or jolly towards Professor Godbole. A strange quarter, he fluttering to the ground. She puzzled by the sudden ugliness. Ronnie fuming, the Brahmin observing all three, but with downcast eyes and hands folded as if nothing was noticeable. A scene from a play, thought Fielding, who now saw them from the distance crossed the garden, grouped among the blue pillars of his beautiful hall. Don't trouble to come, Mother, Ronnie called. We are just starting. Then he hurried to Fielding, drew him aside, and said with pseudo heartiness, I see. Old man, do excuse me, but I think perhaps you ought not to have left Miss Quested alone. I'm sorry, what's up, replied Fielding, also trying to be genial. Well, I am the sun-dried bureaucrat, no doubt. Still, I don't like to see an English girl left smoking with two Indians. She stopped, as she smokes by her own wish, old man. Yes. Yes. That's all right in England. I really can't see the harm. If you can't see, you can't see. Can't you see that fellows a bounder? Aziz, flamboyant, was patronizing Mrs. Moore. He isn't a blunder, protested Fielding. His nerves are on edge, that's all. What should have upset his precious nerves? ''I don't know. He was all right when I left.'' ''Well, it's nothing,'' I have said, said Ronnie reassuringly. ''I never even spoke to him.'' ''Oh, well, come along now and take your ladies away. The catastrophe's over.'' ''Fielding, don't think I am taking it badly or anything of that sort. I suppose you won't come onto the polo with us. We should all be delighted.'' I'm afraid I can't. Thanks all the same. I am awfully sorry you feel I have been um, remiss. I didn't mean to be. So the leave taking began. Everyone was cross or wretched. It was as if irritation exuded from the very soil. Could one have been so pretty on a Scotch moor or an Italian lip? Fielding wondered afterwards. There seemed no reserve of tranquility to draw upon in India. Either none, or else tranquility swallowed up everything, as it appeared to do for Professor Godbole. Here was Aziz, all shoddy and odious, Mrs. Moore and Miss Quester both silly, and he himself and he slew, both decorous on the surface, but detestable truly and detesting each other. Goodbye. Mr. Fielding, and thank you so much. What lovely college buildings. Goodbye, Mrs. Moore. Goodbye, Mr. Fielding. Such an interesting afternoon. Goodbye, Miss Quested. Goodbye, Dr. Aziz. Goodbye, Mrs. Moore. Goodbye, Dr. Aziz. Goodbye, Miss Quested. He pumped her hand up and down to show that he felt at ease. You are all jolly. Jolly, you will not forget those caves, won't you? I'll fix the whole show up in a jiffy. Thank you. Inspired by the devil to a final effort, he added, What a shame you leave India so soon. Oh, do reconsider your decision. Do stay. Goodbye, Professor Godbally, she continued, suddenly agitated. It's a shame we never heard you sing. I may sing now, he replied and did. His thin voice rose and gave out one sound after another. At times there seemed rhythm, at times there was the illusion of a western melody, but the ear befouled repeatedly, soon lost any clue and wandered in a maze of noises, none harsh or unpleasant, none intelligible. It was the song of an unknown bird. Only the servants understood it they began to whisper to one another the man who was gathering water chestnut came naked out of the tank his lips parted with delight disclosing his scarlet tongue the sounds continued and ceased after a few moments as casually as they had begun apparently half few moments as casually as that they had begun apparently half through a bar and upon the subdominant "'Thanks so much.' "'What was that?' asked Fielding. "'I will explain in detail. "'It was a religious song. "'I placed myself in the position of a milk maiden. "'I say to Sri Krishna, "'Come, come to me only.' "'The god refuses to come. "'I grow humble and say, "'Do not come to me only. "'Multiply yourself into a hundred Krishnas "'and let one go to each of my hundred companions.' but one. Oh, Lord of the universe, come to me. He refuses to come. This is repeated several times. The song is composed in a raga appropriate to the present hour, which is the evening. But he comes in some other song, I hope, said Mrs. Moore gently. Oh, no, he refuses to come, repeated God bully, perhaps not understanding her question. I say to him, come, 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 come. He neglects to come. Ronnie's steps had died away, and there was a moment of absolute silence. No ripple disturbed the water. No leaf stirred.